This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. So glad we can be together again in church, in the main auditorium. Give yourselves a big praise God hand clap. All of you in the Dr. Theo, give yourselves a great big hand clap. And also in the Dr. Biff, give yourselves a big hand clap. And in the theater, give yourselves a big hand clap. And also in the Sheila Palmer room. Well, God bless you all. We love you. So glad to be together. We're going to continue our series titled, The Sword of the Spirit. And this is part three in our series. As I said last week, we are dealing with demonic spirits, the spirit of Antichrist, trying to dominate the world and especially, obviously, the church. We need to stand up against these forces of darkness, allow Christianity to be the dominant lifestyle on earth and not sit Satan's plan of fear, confusion, hiding away, uh, uh, losing jobs, people getting sick and dying. This has got to be turned around. And it's in the hands of the church. It's up to us to do this. It's not really the place of the government or the army or the Air Force or the Navy or the police force. The church is being put in charge. And we need to take our position with our spiritual weapons because if we deal with the spiritual forces in the atmosphere around us, we can control the natural realm. Say that with me. If we deal with the spiritual forces in the atmosphere around us, we can control the natural realm. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So if you are born again, your spirit and the spirit of Christ are one spirit together. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So every one of us is part of the body of Christ, a member of that body. Might be a finger, a hand, a foot, a toe, but you're in the body. So we can see that we're in the body of Christ and we are one spirit with Christ. All right, Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So when God raised Christ from the dead, you and I were raised from the dead. That's when the born-again experience was purchased for you and for me. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when God raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heaven 
on his right hand on the throne of Christ. The Bible says you and I were raised with Christ and we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places where he's sitting on his throne. So then, we are seated with Christ, in Christ, on his throne, on the right hand of the Father God. On the right hand of the Father God. That is the place of greatest authority in the universe. There's no authority and place of authority even close to the authority of the right hand of God. And that's where Christ is sitting and that's where you and I are right now in Him. Jesus Christ has been given this authority to rule from His throne over all things. Jesus Christ will not rule or exercise any authority except He does it through His body. The head works through the body. Your head works through your body. Christ is the head. We are the body. He works through the body. Some Christians have exercised more authority over life's circumstances than others have. But it is God's will for all of us to enforce the will of Christ on earth today. It's God's will for all of us to enforce the will of Christ on the earth today. And where do we find the will of Christ? In the Word. So in other words, it's God's will that we enforce the Word of God to be the lifestyle of all people in the world today. God wants the Word of God to dominate the behavior of people on planet Earth. And that, family of God, is up to you and me to accomplish by exercising Christ's authority today. One thing we must always remember when we deal with the devil, we are dealing with someone who has been stripped of his authority. We are dealing with someone who has been stripped of his authority. Someone who has been dethroned. Someone who is totally defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, that's different demonic spirits, ranks of evil spirits, as you can see found in Ephesians 6 verse 12. So having disarmed these demonic spirits, Christ made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Praise God. Jesus Christ made a, triumphant, made a public spectacle of them. We talked about that in part two. I want to deeply urge you to watch part one and two on demand 
of this series on the soil of the Spirit. God gave the earth and all of his creation to Adam. He said, I'll give you dominion over all the work of my hands. All the work of my hands. God made Adam the God of this world. Satan outsmarted Adam and convinced him to eat the forbidden fruit. And by so doing, he sinned against God. Now, by doing this, Satan was able to overpower Adam and take over Adam's position of authority in running everything. Let's imagine you lease a house for six years. And let's imagine someone comes in, overpowers you, and runs your house for six years until your lease runs up or runs out. That's exactly what the devil did with Adam. Adam's lease on the earth was 6,000 years or six days. And Christ's lease or Christ's ruling and reigning on the earth was for 1,000 years or one day. So that's the week. Man for six, Christ for one. Now, so the devil overpowered Adam and the human race and took over that lease for 6,000 years. That's why Satan is desperately trying to bring the human race into bondage, into slavery. He wants to completely control the human race before Christ returns. It was 2,000 years from Adam to Noah. 2,000 years from Noah to Christ. 2,000 years from Christ to today. It's actually gone past by 21 years. So someone's asking, why did God allow that? Why did God, why did Jesus not come? to the earth and take over, why has the rapture not come yet? I believe it's the grace of God allowing us more time to win more souls to Christ. Praise the Lord. When we are born again by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were transferred out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of Christ. Satan no longer has any hold over us because we are taken out of his kingdom and placed in Christ's kingdom by Jesus who saved us, delivered us, paid for us. Think back to the Old Testament. Remember the Pharaoh stood on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. His entire army, horses and chariots, had just drowned in the Red Sea. He looked across to the bank or the shores of the other side of the Red Sea, and he saw the children of Israel dancing and singing with tambourines, praising God. Praising God because they were free from the Pharaoh at last. After 430 years of slavery, 
Egypt is destroyed. The children of Israel have got all their gold and silver and jewelry and clothing, everything that was worth anything. Three million Israelites took out of Egypt when they left. So they were poverty-stricken. All their buildings and crops and cattle were destroyed by what God did in pouring out those plagues on Egypt. And now his army is gone. The Pharaoh has no authority or ability to hurt the children of Israel any longer. The Pharaoh had no more control over Israel. They were dancing and singing. His army is drowned. That is a type. It's a shadow, an example of what Jesus did to the devil. He totally devastated Satan's kingdom, left it in ruins, and took us out of Satan's kingdom. When Satan tempted Adam to sin, he was able to take control of Adam and the human race because of Adam's sin. Satan never dreamed that God would die and pay the price for our sin and remove our sin, the sin Adam caused and the human race caused, and give us authority over Satan. That's what Christ did. He undid the problem that Adam caused. He took away the sin that gave Satan the right to dominate Adam. He forgave the human race and put us in charge of Satan and demons, angels, and all that takes place on the earth. We have been given back dominion over all the work of God's hands. All power, all authority has been given to Christ. And family of God, you just read, you are one body and you are one spirit with Him. And Romans chapter 8, verse 17 tells us, everything God gave to Christ, He gave to us as well. That is our covenant inheritance. Colossians 1.12 Always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow. Wow. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has absolute authority over the kingdom of darkness in every realm. It is very important for us to understand Satan's plan and to know how to exercise authority over him so we can stay on top of severe circumstances in these last days. 
like this COVID-19 epidemic. Satan is controlling and manipulating a lot of what happens on the earth today, through the unsaved, of course. However, he's not running the church. He's not controlling you and me. He has no authority over us, unless, of course, we open the door and give him that authority. We will not allow him to rule us. We will not allow him to dominate us. We have authority from Christ to stop him. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Not some, but all. Christ has all authority. Therefore, we have all authority. As I just said, Romans 8, 17. Whatever God gave to Christ, he gave to us as well. We are the body of Christ. The reason problems exist today is because the body of Christ, the church, allows these problems to exist. In these last days, the church is going to operate in the fullness of the authority that Christ has. The church is going to operate in the fullness of the authority that Christ has. We must stop begging God to save people. God has already died on the cross to save everybody. God is waiting for us to rise up and take the name of Jesus and demand that Satan take his hands off the unsaved. He's waiting for us to rise up and claim the salvation of our family and our friends and our neighbors by calling their name out and commanding Satan to take his hands off of them, to take his hands off of their thinking. God's waiting for us to take authority. We shouldn't be praying to the Father to save people. He's done all He's going to do about saving people on the cross. He's waiting for us now to exercise authority to stop the devil from affecting their thinking because they can't understand the gospel. The devil is blinding their mind. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. So God is saying, people who are perishing, who are not saved, can't understand the gospel because the truth of it is hidden from them. Now, it's not God hiding that, uh, that uh, gospel from them. Why would God do that? I mean, he died on the cross for them. No, it's the devil. It's the devil. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So there's the reason. 
We are to rise up and demand Satan to release the minds of people we name and claim their salvation. So the light of God's gospel can shine in their mind. I found in my personal life, I become most effective in exercising authority in my prayer life when I stand up on my feet and shout out loud in my study to the devil and command him to do certain things, command the demons to do certain things. I'd like to recommend that to you. Now that's exactly what Peter the Apostle did outside the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, the beautiful gate of the temple. In Acts chapter 3 verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, to ask money, from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He asked for money. All right. So now let's get this picture. All right. They're going to go to the temple for the hour of prayer. And on their way in, there's a man lying there who can't walk. He's paralyzed. And uh, so this paralyzed man begs for money every day. So he asked Peter and John for money. And um, verse 4 says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive some money from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he commanded him to walk by the name of Jesus. Peter did not stop and pray. He didn't say, Father, I ask you to heal the man. He did not ask God to heal that man. He commanded the man to rise up and walk. That's not all he did. Verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now Peter grabbed the lame man and yanked him up on his feet. Peter was demanding that Satan take his hands off the man. Peter was demanding what Jesus Christ wanted done for that lame man. What Jesus Christ paid for that lame man to have. And it was accomplished by using his name. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now go to John 14, 12, New King James Translation. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said. Now, when Jesus says most assuredly, 
I think we should pay attention. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask, now that word ask in the Greek is demand. I'll show you that in a moment. And whatever you demand in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. All right, so the root Greek word here for ask is demand. In other words, you are demanding your rights, you are demanding your privileges, you're demanding that Satan and circumstances obey the word of God, which is the will of God. According to Strong's Hebrew, Greek, English Dictionary and Concordance, number 4441, in the root Greek of the word we read, referring to the word ask, as found in Strong's number 154, the meaning is, so you go to the Greek, and then you go to the root of that word, all right, which is 154. The meaning is, this word ask is strictly a demand of something due. Say that. The word ask in the root Greek is strictly a demand of something due. That's amazing. Strictly a demand. I, I think the, the translators got cold feet in translating that word ask or that word in the he in the Greek to English and they put ask there. Maybe they just couldn't have the courage to write in there whatever you strictly demand <laughs> as something due, I will make sure it comes your way. And maybe they got cold feet in saying that. But let's imagine somebody owes you money or a company's not paying you the money they should be paying you. And it's your money. All right? Then it's due to you because they owe it to you. That's why it's due to you. So you can demand in the realm of spirit that they pay it in the name of Jesus because it is something that's due to you. So you can demand in Jesus' name, talking to the demons, they let that money go and allow it to flow to you. So, you are not demanding from God. You are demanding on behalf of Christ that His will be done. That His will be done on Christ's behalf. You take the place of Christ as the body of Christ, demanding the will of Christ be done on earth. We use the authority of Christ to accomplish the will of Christ. Say that. I use the authority of Christ to accomplish the will of Christ. Okay. Now, I'm going to share three great stories with you quickly to demonstrate and show you how that if you take charge of the realm of the Spirit in the atmosphere around us, you bind the demon spirits around you, you can change the circumstances in the natural realm. 
You can control the natural realm by dominating the spiritual realm. And you'll see how demons can affect the natural realm. And most people just let it happen because they don't know any better. I'm going to tell you a story that I've told you before. You might have heard it. But I'm going to tell it from a different standpoint today because I'm dealing specifically with authority here. With authority. The sword of the Spirit. Okay? This is going back about 20, sorry, no, 1978. 1978 this happened. I was selling property at the time. I was selling homes and land for Fodring Hayes and Hughes in Durban North um, on Broadway Street. And um, a customer walked in the door by the name of Peggy Lohman. She wanted to buy a house. Her husband was one of the directors of Mercedes-Benz South Africa. And they were wealthy people. And uh, they wanted to buy a very nice, large home, very large, on Durban Beach. Actually, Songa Rocks Beach. And uh, because of the amount of money they were spending on this house, or going to spend, she was nervous. This was, a, I must say, a very large house. Um, probably about 150 square meters of home about 150 square meters of house. And on about three acres of land is what she eventually bought. But she approached me and said, I'm looking for a house and this is what I want. I said, okay, fine. Will you agree with me that I'll be the one to find you your dream house? And she just looked at me funny. I said, well, look, all you have to do is say I agree that you will Find me my dream house and that you'll buy it from me. Will you agree to that? That'll help me. She said, okay, I'll agree to that. It'll help you. I'll, I'll agree. So fine. I showed her some houses. Anytime I asked, the biggest house came on market down there, I would show it to her. And she never bought anything. Now, I was showing you houses for five months. And in those five months, she bought five houses from different, five different realtors, five different estate agencies in that area. And each one, after buying, she canceled the deal. So she signed the contract and then canceled it a day or two later and started looking again. And every time, she told me, I just bought a house and canceled it. I carried on showing her houses. Then one day a house came on the market after she had seen I don't know how many houses. This was a phenomenal, beautiful house right on the beach in Amshonga Rocks. You walk from the yard onto the sea sand. <laughs> it was beautiful. And... Um, she fell in love with this house immediately and signed the contract to buy it, her and her husband. Well, I took 
the seller of that house, because they wanted to buy a house um, slightly smaller on a different place because their kids had gone out the house they'd grown up. So I showed them a few houses, and they fell in love with the same afternoon, a beautiful home overlooking the Umgani River up near the Athlone Gardens Hotel, up there looking down, beautiful um, view of the sea and um, the Gany River, the Blue Lagoon, and uh, a huge house. They signed the deal right away. Uh, the seller signed, the purchasers, and the, um, and the purchaser signed. So both deals were signed up all, always. Okay. So now that was during the week um, that happened on um, the Friday. So the Saturday morning now, I walk into the office, and I'm very excited. And this is actually the biggest house anybody has sold in Fodring Hazen using all their branches by any salesman in the history of the company. Not only two, both of them were actually. Both of them were the biggest sale that anybody had ever sold, both those houses. Okay, so I walk into the office on Saturday morning. And uh, this has never happened before. But here comes the salesman leading the way with other salesmen. And they're all smiling to meet me. I thought they were going to congratulate me on this phenomenal deal uh, for Fodring Hazen News. But they were smiling and happy and said, guess what? Peggy Lohman called and canceled the deal. Which means now, that the seller of that house canceled their purchase because they don't want to end up owning two houses. So um, I said to the salesman, no, they haven't. She hasn't canceled it. Oh, she has. I took the call. <laughs> I said, no, she hasn't. And I just smiled back at them. They changed their tune. They didn't smile for much after that. Then I went into my office, closed the door. And I said, now, Mr. Devil, don't you know that you can't do this? You have no authority here. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 18, 19, if any two agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by the Father in heaven. I said, now, Peggy and Mike Lohman signed the contract to purchase. The seller signed the contract to sell. And the seller bought another house and signed the contract to buy. And that seller signed the contract to sell. And I said, now, everybody is in agreement here. And I agree with Matthew 18, 19. If any two agreed, shall be done. I agreed. She told me she's going to buy a house for me. And Fodring Hayes and News directors agree. Everybody's in agreement except you, Mr. Devil. But you have no authority here. 
And Matthew 18, verse 18 says, Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I allow on earth is allowed by heaven. I said, now, Mr. Devil, I'm a tither. And my tithe, a portion of that sale money, will go to the work of God. I was tithing 20% at the time for all those years. So I said, 20% of the money I earn from this is going to the work of God. And that's God's money. You try to steal God's money, Mr. Devil, I want you to know you are bound in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off Peggy Loman and Mike Loman and this whole deal. It's done. It's in concrete. It's fine. It's going to stay solid. And then Ed Wallace calling me. Now, he's the director in the, in the, in the store there, in the, the showroom. So I went in, and I sat down opposite him in his desk, in his office. So he said to me, Thea, this is tragic. I said, what, Ed? He said, Peggy Loman called to cancel. Now, he's panicking because this is a lot of money for Fodring Hayes and Hughes. I said, no, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. She loves the house, Ed. So he says, what? She just called and spoke to so-and-so and canceled just a few minutes ago. I said, no, Ed, everything's fine. Don't worry about a thing. I've got inside information. Inside information. I know this is fine. Don't worry. I said, inside. Mm. And I'm saying inside information. I'm talking about Matthew 18, verse 18, and Matthew 18, verse 19. That's my inside information, inside the Bible information. So I walked out. The salesman looked at me. I said, hey, guys, it's all fine. I got on the phone. I phoned Peggy Loman. I said, hi, Peggy. I believe you called in here. She says, yes. So I called to cancel. I said, look, I'll tell you what. I said, Peggy, this is just buyer's nerves, jitters. That's all it is. I said, you love the house. You're just a little nervous. I said, now, if you really want to cancel it, Peggy, I will cancel it for you. But I promise you now, you love the house, and you are going to stay there and enjoy it. This is what we're going to do. You're going to, since this you sign the contract. You can spend as much time as you want to on Sunday. You go and spend as much time as you want to walk around the house, relax, imagine you're living in the house, enjoying it, and then call me Monday morning and tell me you love it and everything's fine. And if you want to cancel it, I'll cancel it. But I, want, I expect and know that you're going to tell me how much you love it and you're going to be sorry that you even felt otherwise. Okay? Don't worry about a thing. Put the phone down. Monday morning, I didn't even think about it again. I didn't think about it again. Monday morning, she, I forgot. Monday morning, she phones. Ah, Theo, I love the house. I don't know what got over me. I just want you to know, I'm sorry I messed you around. And of course, both deals went through. Now, I must say that this happened many times. In fact, almost every time I sold a house, that happened. They wanted to cancel. 
and I bound the demons. I changed the natural circumstances by dealing with the spiritual realm. A pastor of a church had Kenneth E. Hagin come preach for him every year or every six months or so. And uh, Kenneth Hagin writes that he went because he was good friends with the pastor, but the congregation, when he received an offering for the guest speaker, they didn't even cover his travel costs to get there and get home. Never mind contribute towards his living expenses. They never even covered his travel costs. And that was his full-time job at the time. He was traveling as a teacher. And so it wasn't one of his favorite places to go and speak. But because of his friendship with the pastor, he would go. And this pastor was lying on the platform one day, just praying, seeking God, because there's no finances in the church. And the people were stingy. So he's lying on the platform, just praying, looking at the roof. On the third day, God opens his eyes, and he sees a big creature in the rafters, like a gorilla. And, and looks like a gorilla, but big, huge. So he gets on his feet, and he commands this thing to come down. So it swings down the rafters, jumps on the pulpit, and jumps on the platform. And he says, now I command you to get out of this building. So he walks down the aisle towards the back door of the church, and it turns around to look at the pastor as if pleading to stay. And he says, get out, and he walks behind it, gets to the front door, again it turns around as if pleading to stay. He says, get out, name of Jesus. It walked out down the pathway across the street, and it went down about 200 yards on the other side of the street and entered into a nightclub. The next day, the nightclub burnt down. He invited Kenneth Hagin to come back and speak. When he came back, he said to him, do you notice any difference? He said, absolutely. The place is free. There's a freedom in the church that wasn't here before. Now, taking authority in the realm of the Spirit set the entire congregation free and solved a financial problem for him. The financial problem was because of demons. And the demon caused a real problem for the nightclub. The last story I want to tell you in closing is a story of, that Bill Weiss told me. Bill Weiss, Bill Annette Weiss. The man who wrote the book about three minutes in hell. So um, Bull was at home. Annette had gone shopping, and uh, there was a knock at the front door. And the woman came in and asked Bull if she could make appointments to go look at houses, because he was selling houses at the time. He was a, a real estate agent. He had his own company. And so um, he made the appointment with the lady, and then she left. Now. Annette had a little dog, and this dog didn't like Bull. He didn't like, wanted nothing to do with Bull, only all about Annette. So this lady walks out the house, 
this little dog shivering and jumps on Bill's lap. For the first time ever, he's sitting down, the dog jumps on top of him. So he says, this is strange. He takes the dog and puts the dog on the floor, and the dog's shivering and jumps back on him. And did this a few times. He wouldn't stay on the floor. He's shivering, terrified. And um, so Bill calls Annette and says, your dog's acting so weird, and tells Annette what's going on. So Annette says, you know what? It sounds like there's a demon in the house, and he's seeing this demon. Why don't you cast it out of the house? So a, a bull gets up, and he says, get out of the house, name of Jesus Christ. You foul demon, this demon leaves. And next minute, this dog just jumps off Bill's lap and is acting like nothing ever, ever happened. He was totally normal again. Exactly. The moment he cast the demon out, the dog behaved normally. So who would have thought that you could change the behavior of an animal by speaking to a demon spirit? Say this. If we deal with the realm of the spirit, we can change and control the natural realm. Praise God. All right, well, don't miss part four of the sword of the Spirit. I have some more great stories to tell you. God bless you. We love you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many say, Apostle Theo, I want to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Please forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you said that, God bless you. Be faithful, and we'll see you all in heaven. Lift your hand if you said that prayer for the first time today. God bless you all. We love you. From me and Pastor Bev, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.